I'm Linda Laurel, creator and host of Our Voices Matter. Why this podcast and why now? Because it's time for us all to take a deep breath and listen. I am a journalist, business owner, keynote speaker, founder of an education nonprofit, wife, mother, daughter, sister, dancer, and lover of life, and my country. And like so many of you, I am deeply distressed at the deteriorating level of discourse in our democracy. This podcast is my humble attempt to do something about it, one story at a time. It is my hope that as you listen to and watch the stories of someone you might consider to be the other, that you will somehow see a glimpse of yourself and be reminded of our common humanity. So what do you say? Let's take this journey together. Welcome to Our Voices Matter, a podcast dedicated to empowering us all to better understand each other. Our goal, to replace fear with knowledge, disdain with respect, and hate with love, one story at a time. So let's get to it. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. We are joined by James Brown, the Chief Encouragement Officer of Encourage X. So uh, tell our audience what Encourage X is, just the, the Cliff Notes version, and then we'll get deeper into it as we as we talk. Sure. I, I would say this, that for me to give the Cliff Notes version on this <laughs> platform is difficult because it is clearly my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially the idea is that everybody's going through something. And that we all need a little bit of encouragement along the way. And there are a lot of life events that last for more than a day, more than a week, more than a month, sometimes for years. And if you are a person that really wants to be there for that person in a meaningful way, sometimes we don't really know what to do or say. And so the platform allows you to create a profile for that individual, curate specific recommendations in four areas, words and phrases that you can use to encourage the person, audio and video, video content, gifts and goodwill, and also events and experiences. And you're able to actually schedule dates and times to deliver those things to the person to make sure that you don't forget because we all get busy with regular life. Right. And usually what happens about this time of year is we get that Christmas letter <laughs> from family saying this is all the things that happened and we're yeah. thinking, oh gosh, you know, I knew about those situations. I had every intention of doing something, mm-hmm. but I got busy. Just the whole idea of encouragement I think is is so critical at this, at this moment in time. Um, you know, the, the whole reason, as you know, that we decided to launch this podcast was to help us all kind of get back to our common humanity. Um, mm-hmm. we're, at, we're at such a, a point in our lives where we've got this divide going on. And so the idea here is to just kind of help people see themselves in other people's stories. So I'm going to ask you to share to share a story um, that that might um, help us understand how you got to encourage X oh, sure. at this point in your life. Yeah, that's a more than relevant question for this particular platform. So, you know, when I was about 13 years old, living in Chicago, my dad came home one day and said, "We're moving to Springfield, Missouri." There was really no conversation with the family. It was just, we're moving in four months. 
I'm going to leave on Monday, headed to run the branch, and I'll be back in four months to pick you guys up, and I'm going to move everyone down to Springfield. So the first step was to kind of get out the, the atlas. This is back in the day when you didn't have a computer <laughs> to Google things, right? right? See where the heck Springfield, Missouri was at. So I realized this is going to be you know, in the South for the first time in my life. I had heard about the South, but I really hadn't spent any time there. And sure enough, we landed there four months later. And I can remember walking through the junior high school and realizing that I was the only one walking around with a necktie on, um, patent leather shoes, and carrying a leather, leather briefcase. Everyone else was wearing cowboy hats and boots and buckles. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a little bit different on my first day. And so it was a very culturally um, different environment for me. And I can remember in my freshman class homeroom, uh, there was an announcement over the loudspeaker that they were going to have the freshman class elections for the officers because there were three junior high schools that were coming together. And I can remember after the announcement, um, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed classmate of mine, Tracy George, looks back at me and says, you should run. And I said, run for what? <laughs> she said, you should for run me? for... Yeah. She said, you should run for president. I'm like, president of what? What are you talking about? I'm like, I'm... I've only been here for five months. There's no way that that's a serious consideration. And so sure enough, I went home that night at the dinner table. We're going around talking about how our days went. And I announced that I'm considering running for freshman class president. And before I could finish getting the word president out, my mother says, there's no way that's going to happen. I'm thinking, wow. Wow. That's, yeah. that's surprising that... Um, that would be the response from my own parents. And she went on to explain, she said, look, you don't look like those kids, you don't talk like those kids, and you're not from their town. There's just no way that's gonna happen. What was the racial makeup of the school for you? I think I was one of four African-Americans in my school, Mm -hmm. uh, the junior high school. Um, The only male, actually, in the the junior high, and then on to the high school, one of probably six in the high school. So she had. I guess, legitimate concerns, being from Mississippi, she just hadn't right. seen a whole lot of things. But the short story is that my dad said, well, it's up to you, but your mom may have a point. You may want to slow your roll a little bit. <laughs> At any rate, I went back to school the next day, and as I'm walking into their homeroom, Tracy George is standing outside homeroom. She says, JB, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not sure, Tracy. She's like, why? She said, you seem like at the end of the day you were considering it. I said, well, I talked to my parents about it. Mom said, I'm not sure if it's a good idea. And she looks at me and she says, I, I think I understand. And by the way, Tracy is a law professor now at Vanderbilt, wow. assistant provost, a very accomplished, uh, still good friends to this day. She says, I've got three things I want to tell you. So, lawyered, right? <laughs> Already says, at that age. Exactly, 13. <laughs> she says, one, your mom is wrong. Number two, I'll be your campaign manager. And number three, you're going to win. What did she see in you that you didn't see in yourself? Well, it's funny you ask. Um, I said to her, I said, you actually see things in me, I think, that I don't see in myself yet. And I have to tell you, that experience of someone actually believing in you before you believe in yourself it's a pretty amazing feeling. It's a real blessing to have someone that actually is willing to risk their own social capital. This is 1985, right? In an environment where 
um, she had every reason to hold to not, on. Right, to not do what she did. To hold on to that capital yeah. for another day. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, she saw something in me and was willing to invest in me. And I, and I really took away from that experience, as you might imagine, uh, the power that comes with having someone supporting you in a way that's just completely full stop and just never left me. It changed the whole trajectory of my life. It made me feel as if I could do things clearly that I had never even considered. So you ran. I did run. And? And I won. <laughs> okay, she, Mr. She, President. She was right. So I should be calling you Mr. President, right? <laughs> well, the, the more interesting part of the story, I think, is four years later, I ran for student body president of the, of the whole high school. And my younger sister, who happened to be four years younger, had seen this matriculation of me in student government. She decided to run for junior class president of the junior high school. And so we both were running, and we both won four years later. So I think that had she not experienced the power of what Tracy did for me and what I actually did for her, right. the trajectory of her life might be different as well. She's a producer, producer of news at CBS in Chicago, so clearly it's been very accomplished as well. So again, having at least one person believe in you is a, is a non-trivial event in my, in my opinion. Wow, I love that story. So clearly the seeds of understanding the power of encouragement um, stayed with you through all these years. Absolutely. But, it, but Encourage X is, is a, a new company. It is. So what did you do from college <laughs> until now where all of a sudden you decided, okay, this is the moment I have to start this company? I went to Notre Dame for undergrad. Um, I worked for Dow Chemical, GE, did my MBA at Kellogg, did brand management at Kraft. I worked for a lot of big companies, including Shell, Compaq, and HP. But during the oil crisis um, a couple years ago, I had an opportunity, unfortunately, to lay off 28 of the 30 employees that I had in the marketing and sales area. But I had a really great um, CEO that said, hey, we'd we'll love for you to stay, but I know you may have things that you may want to do. We're going to give you a really great um, note as related to your as as a result of your employment contract. And they did. And my wife said to me, uh, James, if you don't take this opportunity to pursue this platform you've been talking about on and off for the last 15 years, it'd be a real mistake. And so where do things stand now? Are you officially out there? Yeah, I am. <laughs> last week, we officially announced and launched the open platform. And... Some of the other blessings of this has been the business side of it with two very large corporate accounts have also come into the fold. I won't mention their names at this point, but you would recognize them as one of the top three communication companies in the world have decided to adopt this platform because for them, they have frontline employees, they have customers that they're trying to build a very tight relationship with and a lot of times their technicians are going into homes and people are sharing their lives with them and technicians are not quite sure how to respond and how to encourage their own, their own customers. Um, even with employees, managers are not sure what to do and say when people are going through divorce, when people are going through menopause, when their kids are playing soccer, um, when kids are struggling with algebra. It's essentially 1,800 life events that we've identified that people are able to encourage people they care about. This platform allows you a lot of utility to be there for those folks in a very personal, authentic, and consistent way, which is really the objective of the platform. 
So I'm curious about, um, I know the, the timing of this was really based upon, as you just described, um, you know, the opportunity to leave the company during the oil downturn and, and be able to move into this. But it also coincides with where we are right now in our sure. national discourse. That's not lost on me in any way. Yeah, yeah. So t- talk to me, tell me your thoughts about how that intersects. Well, I think the primary objective for this is quite simply that in addition to everyone going through something, I think that we don't always know what they're going through, what they're feeling. And this platform allows people that may have never considered the pain that someone may be going through with a life event or a challenge. It gives them real context to say, maybe I've only been thinking about this from my point of view. It's like how we frame things has a lot to do with how we actually engage with people. And even the topic of someone coming out of the closet, as an example, um, I've had several friends that have come to me and shared this information with me. I've been unprepared really to respond. But honestly, going through this process of the curation of that particular life event um, has really informed me as to what that person really is going through. It's not much different than someone who's experiencing racism, as an example, or someone who is um, suffering from a disability. It's similar feelings, but until you actually put yourself in that person's shoes, it's hard to really understand and, and have empathy for what that person is going through. So a big part of the outcome, I think, is people have a better understanding of humanity. Going back to your point earlier, we have, I think, seemingly lost touch. We've been become so siloed as to this is kind of my street address, this is my school, this is my team in the NFL, and I'm only going to cheer for my team in the NFL, that we don't have an appreciation just for the fact that we're all, we're all playing this game and we all want to win. And the ability to actually encourage each other takes a lot less energy than arguing and fighting with one another. I just love this concept. I really do, because it's all about human connection. Mm-hmm. It's all about taking a moment to recognize someone else's pain, mm-hmm. which is the, the common denominator. We all have some kind of pain in our lives. It takes different forms at different times, but everybody's got something. And when you take a moment to recognize that, acknowledge it, and then do something to help ease that person's pain, it makes a connection that can then go so much farther than that immediate moment. Now, your point is, I think, right on the tip of the spear um, with what we're trying to do in that I think we're more common than we are you know, different. We're more more the same than we are different. That's Mm -hmm. the first thing. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I think that when you allow people to become more human, I think it's our more natural state. We come out of the womb loving everybody. Through the domestication process, sometimes we get shaped in ways based upon the environment. This platform is helping us to kind of get unplugged from all of the secular noise that's around us and to really plug into the true humanity that we have. And, I, and I'll tell you this, some of the stories that are coming back now of encouragers or users of the platform are saying that when they encourage someone, they get the feedback, it's very positive. But the feedback they're getting from their own 
DNA mm. and cellular system is that they're getting more from it than the recipient. Well, that's the, the way giving works. That's and whenever you give, you you feel like you receive so much more. It's a virtuous cycle. A, it is. It really is. It, it it really is, and I I think that you know um, through the course of, of conversations with with people about you know trying to decide how and when to begin this particular podcast on this particular subject, I've had some really great conversations with with people about this very um, this very point. And uh, I just, I think what you're doing is amazing. And I think it's going to take off like like wildfire. I really do. From your lips to God's ears, <laughs> clearly. Um, I mean, I've, I've invested a significant amount of my own personal wealth into this. But I've actually invested more of my personal humanity into it. This is my legacy, if I have one. And you, I, have, you have a beautiful daughter. Yes, Sarah yes, Brown. You and your wife, Michelle, have a beautiful daughter. How old is Sarah now? Sarah's nine. Nine. She is also the chief uh, excitement officer, the title that she has. So she's <laughs> CEO it. as well. We hope that she will, and it sounds like today, that she would like to continue this when I'm no longer here. So she gets what daddy's doing. She completely gets it. And in fact, she's already curated a couple life events on her own. So explain to the audience what that means when you say she's curated a couple of life events. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, so again, we've identified over 1,800 life events. Mm -hmm. um, a curator, um, in this case Sarah Brown, um, has curated a life event called The Truth About Santa. Oh. It was about that time. Okay. And so Sarah went through what is the person thinking about was her at eight years of age, which she was concerned about related to Santa. So she has her bullet points related to provide some context. The second area was what are the things you could say that would be encouraging to that person that's getting to the truth about Santa. And then also, what are the things you don't want to say? Things that would be discouraging. I, I wish I'd had, I wish I had had Sarah's curated <laughs> um, Entry when uh, when when my daughter Lindsay got to that. Yeah. this was several years ago because I said and did all the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the beauty of it is I saw her working through the curation process at the age of eight and a half. Mm. I could see her humanity trying to balance not only her needs as a eight and a half year old, but also she was balancing the needs of her parents. Right. And so she has that emotional yeah. intelligence to say yeah. she knows this has been a big deal for mom to really get all of these gifts together. Once she, the light bulb went off, she wanted to make sure that mom still didn't feel like Christmas was going to be any less for mom because there was now this truth about Santa. She's wise beyond her years. She's definitely got an old soul. No question. Wow. But it's the same thing we want to do when yeah. we're encouraging people for other situations. We want mm -hmm. to appreciate... Not only the person that's going through it, but everyone else that's around it's affected by that it. environment. And as a result, um, again, the humanity starts to, to really pour out of this. Um, some of the life events that we've been working on lately have been related to some of the political environment. Really? I was going to ask you about that. Sure. Yeah. What, are, what, are you, what are some of the topics so, that have come up? So it really began with some of the issues with Starbucks that they were experiencing with the young man that was arrested in the... In the, um, in the store, and so we did a series um, experiencing racism as an African-American, as a Latina. Again, this was the coming out, the gay um, um, individual, 
someone that has disabilities, we went through the entire range mm -hmm. to say it's not just an isolated issue with African Americans. There are lots of groups that feel this um, disenfranch disenfranchisement from time to time. And of course, with the political environment, with things really getting heightened with the deportation issues, um, of late with the caravan, just all the political acrimony that's going on, it's almost as if people were saying, can we just stop for a second before things really get out of control and get back to focusing on more of the things that we have in common versus the things that we're different. And so we're hoping this will become a healing process over the next months and hopefully not years, but hopefully months that people will get a stronger appreciation. We want to be right at the center of those conversations so people can actually understand and encourage each other and get back to the things that brought us together as friends, family, and colleagues. Who are the, the people that you reach out to to curate something like that? No, those particular topics? Yeah, so Dr. Joel Wong at the Indiana, Indiana University um, is our head of psychology. And so he provides guidance on what he calls the 14 points of proper encouragement or the anatomy of encouragement. And we use those guide points to make sure that all the content that is being developed filters through that model for all of the, what I call, third rail topics, things that could potentially have dire circumstances, our psychologists are screening all of those topics. So Dr. Wong has written many of those topics related to suicide prevention, um, post-suicide, um, alcoholism, um, with the Me Too movement, we have several encouragement guys related to um, sexual assault. Involvement news lately that we've had related to issues in entertainment and politics, et cetera. We thought we had to address those head on. And in those situations, we actually go to people that have either direct line experience or consulting to make sure that we're right on point with, with that content. That's fantastic. That really is. I mean, I've had at least five women that have come to me you know, since we had the hearings and have talked about their own experiences. The Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah, yeah, even relatives of mine that have talked about the fact that they, they too have gone through some of these experiences. And, you know, you, your, your heart just breaks. And for me, it's not enough for your heart to break. You have to actually be encouraging that person, make sure that they feel that you're there for them. And a lot of times we will say, gosh, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with you. Right. Well, that's great, and mm -hmm. thoughts and prayers are fantastic. But on day two, week two, month two, you want to still communicate to that person that you... I'm still here. I'm still thinking about you. Exactly. I still care. Exactly. And so we want to ultimately help people be better parents, better colleagues, better managers, and it's something that we want to make it easy. We want to be that one place where you can handle all of your encouragement needs. Better it be. humans. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about the relationships that we have. I mean, the idea of convenience is very, very much a big part of most of our relationships. If you are there physically, it's easier to be there psychologically. This platform allows you to be there psychologically, even if not there physically. And what I what I love about it, I love so many things about it, but um, I gave a. Um, a commencement speech to some high school students a, few, a couple months ago, a few months ago in May or June. And awesome. one of the things that I said to them is, 
words matter. All day. All day, every day. Words matter. And choose your words carefully and wisely and use your words to encourage and uplift, not denigrate and demonize. And of course. Yeah. And that's what I love about this platform because just the fact that you're encouraging people and you're taking the time to understand the power of the words that are used in any given life event Mm -hmm. and how even if you're well-meaning, you might say the wrong thing and it will hurt that person. But then you've got the other side of it where we have so many people nowadays who are deliberately using words to hurt. Mm -hmm. And we've got to have something that combats that, and this does it. Yeah, I think it's unconscionable today to not be accountable for the power of your position as well as the words that you're using. Right. And I'm not talking about just from a political perspective, even Mm -hmm. as a parent. Mm -hmm. What you say every day is going to be played back either in real time or... Years later. So own what you say. I think that, again, the power of words and that they matter is a non-trivial statement. They are everything. Right? As, as human beings, we're not um, like the other mammals that walk and crawl the earth. We have a sophisticated system here of communication. And it's what separates us from the dogs and the cats. Right. It's our ability to communicate. So if that's the case that higher level of communication is going to be the thing that matters. It really, truly does. And we all know it. We just take it for granted sometimes that you know, we can say whatever we want to, but there, there's always a price to be paid for something that is not well intended. Well, uh, kudos to you for following your passion, following your dream. Thank you, Michelle, for <laughs> pushing him to do it because it's going to make the world a better place. I have no doubt. I think this is going to be huge, and I am thrilled to have had you come and share this time with us um, on Our Voices Matter. This voice particularly matters. That's very kind of you, and I will tell you that you know along the way, you've been one of those voices as well that has helped me to continue to stay focused. There have been moments where you feel like, gosh, this seems like such a, a different concept, and because it's never been done... There are moments when, as an entrepreneur at 51, for the first time in my life, it's like, gosh, what am I doing? But mm-hmm. I appreciate all the people that have been, ironically enough, encouraging me to continue to push forward and make this thing Well, because you're on to something that's, that's important. I think it's going to make a lot of difference, a major difference in a lot of lives. And we look forward to um, continuing to watch the growth of Encourage X. And um, we'll have you back, for sure. Awesome. Okay. I'd love that. If the mission of Our Voices Matter resonates with you, please like, subscribe, download, and share. And then join the conversation because it really is going to take all of us to make a difference.